Praise the Lord, Grace Church. It's so good to see you this morning. Shake somebody's hand next to you. Tell them they look good. Don't lie, though. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, let's start something this morning. Praise the Lord. It is good to see you, uh, everyone that is here this morning. We have great expectations for the move of God in this place. We have confidence in our God, don't we? Do we not? Amen. Praise the Lord. I have a few announcements for you this morning. Tuesday, April 4th, we will have our first Tuesday evening prayer in the sanctuary at 7.30 p.m. Saturday, April 8th, we'll enter Connect Group semester, but we look forward to the very next one that's going to take place. Sunday, April 9th is going to be Easter Sunday, of course, and youth camp registration is currently open for all camps. And there has been a transition in the offering box. It is now inside the auditorium. If you'll look to the back wall, right under that sconce, that's where it is. Praise the Lord. Do you love the Lord this morning? Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. That's right. Praise the Lord. We are privileged to be in the presence of Almighty God. We are privileged to know His name and to be called His children. Can we stand to our feet and worship the Lord with the enthusiasm that He deserves in your precious holy name, Lord? Bless us this morning. Love it. 
Lord, isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord today? You glad to feel the presence of Jesus here? Man, I feel God showing up here today in an amazing way. Hallelujah. I'm excited about what God's going to do here today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Return to your seats and remain standing if you would. It's great to see everybody along with Brother Ben. Thank you for being here and uh, really appreciate you coming. Our guests today, welcome. We're so glad you're here today. Thank the Lord. While they were singing that song, it's become one of my favorites. Uh, it kind of starts off little, little tiny melancholy, not much, just a little bit. But then all of a sudden, buddy, it hits. You just push the accelerator to the floor. Oh, Lord, how great is his works. Thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for all that he does in our lives. But uh, as they were singing that, I almost did it this morning, Allison. And uh, I decided I'd probably not because I, I don't know what it means. And I'm going to step out here today. If it, if it don't mean something good, I don't know what it means, but it, it just meant something to me. I walked up on Allison and a couple other girls. Somebody just said, oh, my goodness. Uh, you don't know what's coming, do you? And I walked up on a couple of our younger girls a couple of Wednesday nights ago, and I don't know what they were talking about, but Allison was doing kind of a number like this right here. I don't know what that means, that whatever she does, but I sure did like it. And I asked her if she'd do that in church, and she never has, so I'm doing it for her. So there you go. Thank the Lord. Why don't everybody try a little of that? It makes you kind of feel good to move around a little bit. Y'all scared? Now, scaredy cats out there, that's right. We'll get there. We'll get there. God's going to help us. Thank the Lord. Praise team. You got your... Uh... So there you go. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. On a very serious note, and again, if you'll be patient to stay standing and just reverence to what we're segueing into, is uh, today, of course, is Palm Sunday, and for... Our sweet Lord Jesus Christ, this began his beginning, the beginning of his journey to Calvary. And uh, I've been, was blessed to go to Jerusalem a number of years ago and kind of walked that path and, uh, to Pilate's Judgment Hall and then ended up at where they believe Mount Calvary is. If it's not there, I don't know how it could be anything else because it just fits the description perfectly. They believe he was buried and rose again from the dead on the third day. What a privilege it was to have been there. But you don't have to go there to appreciate this incredible sacrifice that he's paid for us to be here today enjoying the joy and the excitement of this moment, the thrill of a relationship with God, with the contentment, the fulfillment the assurity that it brings to all of us. I thank God today for Calvary. I thank God today that he was willing to pray that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. If it be possible, let this cup pass for me, he said. I don't want to do this. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So we're going to celebrate today, the Sunday before Easter, this momentous occasion Jesus said for us to do this Paul wrote to the church at Corinth explained the communion service and said uh, repeated the words of Jesus when Jesus said this do in remembrance of me I think it's interesting 
that he calls on us to partake of the wafer and the fruit of the vine to remember it in my personal life I can't forget it I don't have the capacity to forget Calvary I, I can't I don't know of a day that goes by in my life that at some point during the day I, does, I don't think of that amazing redemptive plan and I thank God for it and I thank God for it every single day so as is our custom while they're playing softly if you'll remain reverent and respectful to this awesome environment this awesome spirit of praise and worship I want us to offer up a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving today for that awesome price that Jesus paid at Calvary. So those of you on my left, your right, if you'll exit towards the wall and just come pass by and get your communion elements. Those of you on my right, your left, if you'll exit towards that wall and just pass, if you'll just come on right now. And I will take just a few moments to do this. Just pass by and get your communion elements. Return back to your seat with it as we uh, customarily do here. And we'll all partake of it together at the same time.
bear with us during this time. Uh, I think all of us understand. Personally, I don't care for a lot of chit-chat and making announcements and talking during this time. I believe God is worthy of our reverence and our respect during this time. Thank the Lord. would have everyone understand the Bible teaches very clearly that when Jesus went to the cross of, um, I say the cross is a very broad statement this whole crucifixion process the scourging that he took prior to the crucifixion it was a dual atonement it was two atonements that were done here uh, the scourging, the beating on his back was for our healing of course the cross was for our salvation God designed it that anybody that asks for redemption can have it. Uh, God is not discriminatory when it comes to that. But healing sometimes is a little more lucid and uh, it's beyond our understanding sometimes. But nevertheless, the Bible says, by his stripes and the shedding of his blood, the first atonement, we are healed. And then by the second atonement, is being nailed to the cross is for our salvation and I thank God for both here today how about you thank the Lord so God bless you folks let's pray right now Jesus we love you we're certainly thankful for this amazing moment this amazing time we're thankful God for the privilege of knowing you you've known us even before we were conceived in the womb you knew us but now we have the opportunity to know you and for that we're thankful and I pray, God, that you would keep this church and everyone who attends it on a path of growing closer to you, of understanding you more and more, trusting you more and more. We're thankful, God, for your sacrifice, for your giving your body, for your giving your blood, for our, for our salvation. One man for all sin, for all time. And we're thankful, God, for you. And our hearts today are filled with sincere gratitude for all that you've done. Thank the Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Folks, let's together partake of the cracker, the bread of life, shall we? Thank the Lord. Now, if you would, if you'd open your cup for the fruit of the vine, and we'll partake of that together. Thank the Lord. God bless you in Jesus' name. Let's protect together. Thank the Lord. Can we lift our hands and thank the Lord today for his sacrifice and for setting us free today. Let's love the Lord, shall we? Jesus, we love you. We're thankful, God, for the sacrifice that you have paid for what you've done for our lives, in our lives. We're thankful, God, for every time you've healed our body. We're thankful, God, for every time, every time. We've asked you for forgiveness. You've given it. We thank you, God, for filling us with your spirit. We're grateful for you today. And, God, we've come to continue in our worship and our adoration of you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Some of our young men are going to walk around the building and receive your communion elements. And uh, just keep worshiping. Let's lift up the Lord today. Let's worship him as a praise team comes.
before we turn to the word of the Lord. I hope everyone noticed how beautiful the lobby is when you walked in the door. If you didn't notice, maybe you can notice that when you exit today. And I want to thank everybody that made that happen. Uh, Marty, uh, Brad, uh, Sister Sheila, these folks did an amazing job and those that helped them, I applaud you. And um, also for, as I mentioned this Wednesday night, our spiritual nursery over here, uh, the room right inside the door going behind the platform is uh, beautifully done. It's for people that want to be baptized. It's a place where they can go and change into baptismal clothes and then change back into their regular clothes. It's beautiful. Uh, I want to serve notice here today. I want everybody to know this is not a storage closet, nothing ever needs to be stored in that room. We're going to reverence those who want to be baptized. It will always be available to them. And uh, we're going to dedicate that to those people who wants to be baptized in the name of Jesus to have their sins washed away by the blood of the Lamb. It's not a storage closet. It's to be dedicated to them. And I want to thank everybody that had anything to do with that. 
Let's give all of these folks some appreciation today, shall we? We appreciate it so very much. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. The platform is beautiful. We're so thankful for that today, uh, shoving of all of us into that moment of Easter. Uh, again, when Jesus uh, died for our sins, but then he resurrected. I'm glad we serve a God that's alive. And he said, I am alive forevermore. Thank the Lord. I have a message today that's pounding in my chest that I'm anxious to preach to all of us here today. I don't want anybody here at Grace Church to think you cap out in your relationship with God. You graduate from the school of spirituality. That never happens. There's always more. There's always more. And I always want more. Thank the Lord. Mark chapter 8, verse 21. And he, Jesus, said unto them, How is it that you do not understand? And he cometh to Bethsaida. And they bring him a blind man. And they bring a blind man unto him and besought him much. Besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And the blind man, he looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and he took him up and he was restored and saw every man clearly. He was restored and saw every man clearly. I want to preach to you for a few minutes this morning, three times touched. Three times touched. Are you thankful for the word of God today? Thank the Lord. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. Years ago, if a person was unfortunate enough to have cataracts grow on their eyes uh, a number of years ago, these folks were ultimately doomed to blindness. But fortunately today, cataract surgery is readily available, frequently performed, and it has spared thousands of people from blindness. <clears throat> While we should be grateful for this amazing advancement in medical science, neither should we ever forget the healing power of Jesus Christ. I remember a number of years ago when our church was in Baker, we taught Bible study one Wednesday night and a lady walked down the center aisle when just as soon as I dismissed and she said, I would like to be prayed for. I said, okay. So I got the anointing oil out and anointed her head with oil and um, we prayed and as soon as I was done praying, she screamed. It's been a long time since then and prior to then that I heard someone scream like that woman screamed. As a matter of fact, it startled me very bad. I wasn't expecting a response like that. She had opened her eyes when we were done praying and she started screaming, I can see, I can see. She had a doctor's appointment the next day to go and have a cataract removed off of one of her eyes. And the Lord just went ahead and took care of it Wednesday night right after Bible study. 
and she could see and didn't need to go to the doctor anymore. God can do these things. God can do these things. He is still able to heal the blinded eyes today. But God is also able to heal the blindness in our mind and our, our blindness in our understanding. And He is certainly able to move on this congregation here to the goal. As a matter of fact, when you read the prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, according to the Scriptures, one of the credentials, if you will, one of the miraculous powers that he would possess would be the ability to heal the blind. In fact, according to the Scripture, in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 5, the Messiah, one of his revealing uh, things that he would do would be to heal the blind. Isaiah said in Isaiah 42 and verse 5, Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, He that gives bread unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein, I am the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I believe this prophecy has a twofold meaning. Uh, I'm persuaded that it does, that the Messiah would possess the power and the ability not only to open eyes that are blinded naturally, but to open the eyes of the blind of those that are blind spiritually. That's my focus here today. Jesus, being the Messiah, the promised one, was bringing to fulfillment the prophecy of Isaiah as he brought healing to the blind. Again, not to just naturally blind, but those who could not understand, those who could not see who he was. It's interesting to me that as powerful as John the Baptist was, as revolutionary of a ministry that John the Baptist possessed, John the, John the Baptist sent two of his disciples to Jesus. While John was in prison, he sent two of his disciples to Jesus, referred to him as the coming one. And should they accept Jesus as their Messiah or should they look for another? In Matthew 11, verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto these two disciples, he said, go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he who shall not be offended in me. The New Testament records at least seven incidents of healing of the blind by Jesus. It's interesting to watch the actions of Jesus healing these blind men. 
He hardly repeated the same process twice. He had a different way of healing those that were blind. In Matthew 9, two blind men were healed and Jesus touched their eyes. In Matthew 12, a blind and deaf man was healed. In Mark chapter 10, a story that we're all familiar with, blind Bartimaeus is healed when Jesus just speaks the word of healing. In John chapter 9, verse 6, Jesus uses saliva and mud to heal the blind. It's interesting to me today that of all the methods that he used to heal the blind, and I suppose the one that we're most familiar with is the healing of blind Bartimaeus. But in our text today has to be one of the most interesting and phenomenal ways that Jesus walked a man through the healing process illustrating to anyone and everyone that would follow this miracle that there is a process that the Spirit of God works in the lives of men and women when he or she is open to him. And I hope we are all hearing this today. I want to show you today that there were three physical touches that Jesus applied to this blind man in this one given day in Scripture. The first touch is recorded in verse 23 where Jesus took him by the hand and you could call this the touch of encouragement. In that same verse we see where Jesus put his hands on him, the Bible said. This was the touch of enlightenment. The third touch that Jesus, uh, that day was when Jesus put his hands on the blind man's eyes. In verse 25, this is the touch of enablement. I want to submit to everybody here today. Everybody sitting in front of me right now. Everybody here today would virtually say and admit publicly that I have embraced a relationship with God. But I want to qualify that here today that just because you have begun a relationship with God then it's finished. I want everybody to understand that. I've heard people testify off and on virtually all of my life and they'll preface their testimony by saying, I've had the Holy Ghost for so many years and then go on with their testimony. And in a lot of cases, and it's indicative of the fact that they believe that my relationship with God has maxed out. I've known God for all of these years and so it is virtually impossible for me to know any more about God than I know right now. It's a trap. It's, a, it's something the devil would like for us to believe. I said it's, uh, last Wednesday night, and I said it in a prior Wednesday night, that I believe there's people sitting here today that are just one or two prayers away from a whole fresh level of relationship with God. I believe there's people here today that's on a threshold of breaking into something mighty. But we think we're already there when God is saying, no, you're not. I have so much more I would like to do in your life. Using this record in the Gospels, I want to show you today how this story 
can be applied to our lives. To everyone here today, everyone here today, this can be applied to everybody. Everybody say everybody. Everybody say me. Everybody say he's talking to me. I want you to notice here today, and this is, I don't know if I'll get past this point or not. If I don't, we'll preach the rest of it later. If we don't understand this point, it's going to be the first part of this, the touch of encouragement. If we don't get this, then it's not possible to get the rest. This is where relationship starts. This is where the process of relationship starts. It's interesting to me that a relationship with God is often compared to school, to schooling. You start in the first grade, second grade, third grade, and so on. I don't necessarily believe that. We're not going, we, we, we've not started religious school. We've not started spiritual schooling. This is a relationship. This isn't something for academic achievement. This isn't something in a quest for knowledge. Paul said that I may know him, not in a knowledge way. This was a genius. This was a man who was highly educated. He said, I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering, but also in the power of his resurrection. There's things between those two that we could spend a thousand lifetimes pursuing and never know him. I want to preach to Grace Church today. We have not arrived. We have not reached a place where we can stop. You've not prayed your last prayer. You've not made your last commitment. You've not reached a point where you cease to need the need of encouragement. I'm preaching to everybody here today. I want Jesus to grab me by the hand and lead me to a place in him that I've never been before. Hallelujah to God. And this is hard for us. It's hard for Pentecostals to do this. We think we've arrived. It's interesting when Paul wrote to Timothy just hours before his execution when he would be beheaded. Then he told Timothy, I've finished my course. You grow in your relationship with God until the day you die or until the day we're raptured. It never, ever stops. Never stops. The scriptures tell us in the scripture setting that I've read today about this blind man being healed. The scriptures tell us that they, perhaps this man's family, perhaps his friends, brought him to Jesus. I want to salute our connect group leaders and our connect groups here today. I was saddened by the announcements that they, they come to an end. This semester comes to an end April 8th. I've heard so many wonderful, wonderful things. And our goal we want to achieve with connect groups here at Grace Church is it just becomes a part of our culture. We don't, we don't have to run semesters where we fellowship. We us all the time. Uh, somebody commented, was Kelly Adams commented, she's hosted stuff at her house for the past number of years. 
She said, I've been doing a connect group for a long time. And I said, you're absolutely right. She has embraced, her family has embraced this idea of connecting with God's people as often as we possibly can and to fellowship. Praise the Lord. And I'm thankful for people with that kind of heart and vision for the cause of the gospel. And there's others here today that do the same thing as well. Whether we're running a semester of connect groups or not, they're still connecting with people. And I thank God for them. But this man was brought to Jesus by people you can't identify. The Bible just said they brought this man to Jesus. I don't know who they were. But every person that has a need needs to have people in their lives that are always willing, that are always postured to bring them to Jesus. We have people at Grace Church that are always willing to help and assist bring somebody just a closer to Jesus. It's not arrogance. It's not ego. It's not saying I'm better than you. It's just saying, let me grab a handle on the side of your gurney. And if you can't get to Jesus, I will help you get to Jesus. And I thank God for people like that. There's a message that could be preached about that. The concept is being a stretcher bearer. I'll grab a hold of your stretcher, your gurney. These people had enough faith and action to know that if they could get him to Jesus, there's people here today that knows if I could just get my loved one, my friend, my coworker, if I could just get them to the house of God, if I could just get them in the presence of Jesus, then I know God could perform miracles in their life. The Bible said they besought Jesus, they begged Jesus. I don't believe it was a whining beg. I believe it was a confident beg. Jesus, we know you can do this. Oh, God, you're able to do this. God, we have no doubt that you can do this. God, I want you to do this because we know you can do it. Just going on and on and on. And I can just kind of hear Jesus' voice in my ear saying, Okay, I hear you. I'll do it. I'll take care of it. They had a strong desire to see this man healed. And they took him to the only one they knew could provide the healing. I wonder this morning, do we believe, as those men did, the ones that brought that man to Jesus, do we believe like that? I believe we do. Do we believe that Jesus can still heal and restore and change the lives of our friends and our loved ones? I believe today that we believe that. I believe that we believe. If we do, then we ought to do everything we can to bring those in need and to contact with the one who can meet their needs. And so after the request to touch this blind man was given, here comes my message. This is where some of us struggle here today. After the request to touch the blind man was given by, by those who brought him to Jesus. Jesus touches this man. It's interesting to me that he takes the man by his hand and just starts walking away from everybody. I don't read where he invited anybody to come join me. I believe they did. They just started following him. I believe those that 
brought him to Jesus, just said, where's he going? I don't know. Well, let's follow him then. So they followed him. And the Bible said they led him out of town. Have you ever wondered, those of you that's read this miracle and recall it, have you ever wondered why Jesus, when he usually heals people on the spot, led this man out of town? Out of the seven people that we know of that he healed from blindness, this is the only one that he led him out of town. Jesus set a precedent here that sometimes you can't be healed in your current of mind and in your your current state of belief. Now y'all don't shut down on me too quick. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 11 verse 20 then began Jesus to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. Upbraid means, in our, in our terminology, it means he chewed them out. He let them have it. He, he, it's the same word he used when he appeared to the disciples after his resurrection, and they didn't believe he was resurrected. He chewed them out. I told you I was going to resurrect from the dead. Jesus had done mighty works in two cities called Shorzen and Bethsaida. We've heard of Bethsaida because of this miracle and a few other things. But this other city, it sounds like a bizarre name for crackers or something. Some kind of seasoning or spice you set on the table next to Tabasco sauce. Shorzen? Take me a while after living there to learn how to spell it. You know why you don't hear nothing of it? Because Jesus went there and he performed a lot of miracles. But they wouldn't change. They would not allow their mind to change. They accepted the physical healing. They accepted the encouragement. But will they follow him? That's where we have to draw the line, Jesus. He said, woe unto thee, Shorzen. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Jesus, to get this man, everybody listen. Jesus, to get this blind man to a place of healing, not just from physical blindness. Jesus could have healed his eyes. His physical eyes, no problem. But Jesus wanted to teach a lesson here. He wanted to bring them to a moment. He wanted them to understand something. That I came to you, not just to heal your physical eyesight, but I wanted you to understand. I wanted you to have a revelation of me. I wanted to be more to you than just a healer. I want to be more to you than just your redeemer. I want to be more to you and you can fill in whatever title and description you want after that. He came to them. Do you understand who the Messiah is? Do you understand how important that was to Jesus? Do you understand how necessary it was for the Jewish people to understand that this 
is the Messiah. Do we understand that today? Somebody wave your hand if you understand that today. How important that was for them to understand who he was. And so he went to them. He went to their city. And he performed miracle after miracle after miracle. And they accepted everything he would do for them physically. But Jesus, when you want to give me a revelation of who you are, I want to go back to the John the Baptist story. I probably won't get past this point. I want to go back to the John the Baptist story here for a moment. John the Baptist was the next best thing to the Messiah. Nobody turned that world upside down like John the Baptist did. And he came at a time when hypocrisy and blindness was at an all-time high in Israel. By now, when you go from the book of Malachi 400 years prior to the book of the the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus is coming on the scene, the Jewish nation had split into groups and parts and and different factions, and we would call it even religions. You had the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and you had the scribes, and you had this group and that group, and they all claim that we know who the Messiah is. We have all the prophecies about the Messiah. Messiah. We know we will know him when he comes because we know all about the scripture. But when he came and started fulfilling the scriptures that they knew, that they had committed to memory, they would not let him open their spiritual eyes. They would not allow revelation, could not allow them to go past into a revelation of who he was. John the Baptist comes on the scene. He clearly understands his role. He encouraged his disciples. Please hear me, Grace Church. He encouraged his disciples. I'm come to take you to a point, but that's where I stop. There's one coming after me. There's one coming after me. Do y'all get that? I believe there was something on the inside of him that was saying, man, I wish I'd have been to Simon Peter in this case. If Jesus wanted to use me, I wish I could have been Simon Peter instead of John the Baptist because Peter was on the other side of this great fulfillment and understanding. I'm still on the dark side of it, but I believe John knew in his heart and mind that when Messiah showed up to be baptized, he had no problem with this. He said, I can't go any further. I can't take you any further. But he can. But he can. And he will. And you must be willing to follow him. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So this blind man, it's interesting to me that it was a blind man that followed Jesus. Those that had sight weren't willing to follow him. I don't read in scripture where the blind man said, where are we going? Jesus just 
took him by the hand that first touch. Just took him by the hand and just started walking. I've read commentaries about it. It just indicates it. Jesus just grabbed him by the hand. He trusted. Here, take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me on, let me stand. There's old timers here today that have sung that song for years. Take my hand, precious Lord, whatever. But we don't believe it and we don't do it. Nope. I'll follow you, Jesus. If you'll take care of my physical needs, if you'll take care of my spiritual or my, my financial needs, if you'll take care of my domestic problems. But when it comes to a hardcore, steadfast commitment, that's where I draw a line in the sand. We're bottom line telling Jesus, I don't really care who you are. I'm happy with my life the way it is. I want Grace Church to know today. I don't want to preach disparaging. I don't want to preach condemnatory. That's not what I'm doing here today. God is moving in our church. God is bringing our church back to a great place, to a wonderful place that I'm excited about. I don't want to stop here. I don't want to stop here. I want God to continue to lead me home. So sometimes he'll lead you outside of your religious beliefs. Not biblical beliefs. Religious beliefs. And I know not just Pentecostals, but there's a lot of people that will not go past what their religion tells them to believe or not. Doesn't matter if the Bible says it or not. That have decided that the Bible, all of it, is not applicable. I want the whole Word of God. I want everything He's got. And I want it with all of my heart. We have to understand that Jesus is taking us by the hand right now. And He is leading us to a in him that we've never been before as a church. Jesus took the man. I'm moving forward in my notes. I believe that Jesus took this man by the hand. The man knew that this touch was one of power, one, one powerful enough to heal him. Jesus' touch was powerful and that it was, first of all, relieving to the man. Jesus seemingly was saying to the man, here, take my hand, allow me. Just, just trust me, allow me to. Let me take you on a little journey here. But Jesus at the same time was being very sensitive. Jesus would touch the man in a very personal way. He wasn't speaking to the masses. He just singled out this one blind man, a blind beggar, and said, here, just allow me, just trust me, just follow me. And he made it very personal. And I believe there's people sitting here today. I've preached this the past couple of Wednesday nights that I've preached. That there's people here today that God is trying to take you to a place. Don't think that you know how to pray and you can't advance. Don't think that you know how to serve and that you can't advance. Don't think that you've capped out your knowledge of the word of God working in you. Because you can advance. Yes, you can. It's Jesus' way of just gently taking us by the hand. There's people here today. God help me today. There's people here today. God just says, allow me. Take my hands. Take my hands. Let me let me lead you just a little bit further. Let me get you a little bit closer to me. Let me lead you out of the place you've been to a place you've never been. Are we willing to accept that first touch?
It's not pushing. It's not pressure. Just take me by the hand. Here, here, let me, let me help you a little bit. Let me, let me encourage you a little bit. Just come this way with me. If you'll do that, it brings the second touch, the touch of enlightenment. Not only is his touch a touch of encouragement, but it's also a touch of enlightenment. Notice this. It's interesting that Jesus spit on the man's eyes, and then he touched him again. Y'all see that? He touched him the second time. Jesus didn't need the spit to heal the man, but the man did. In some way, Jesus was doing for this man not what Jesus needed, but what the man needed. This was weird, and it's really weird to us. Spitting in our culture today is assault. You can be arrested for spitting on somebody. If a police officer wants to talk to you, don't spit on him. You'll just soon hit him in the head with a club. It's the same thing. But in that culture, it had a different meaning. It had a different application. It had a different purpose. Here, Pastor, today, Jesus didn't do this because Jesus needed it. He was doing it because he knew the blind man needed it. And God does things and allows things in our lives to happen to us that sometimes are strange. The New Testament writer said, don't be alarmed or don't, don't be worried when some strange trial comes on you. I can't express to you folks today how the Holy Ghost is speaking right now to people. There's people here today that you're satisfied, you're contented. And there's a lot of strange things going on in your life right now. And you can't figure it out. And God ain't answering your prayers about it. There might be a reason. He has a strange way of getting your attention. This man didn't see Jesus about to spit. He didn't see Jesus in the act of spitting. All he felt was something wet hit him where his eyes were. Jesus knew that this man needed physical healing. He knew that. But he also knew that the man had much deeper needs. This man had needs that perhaps he didn't even know he needed. He had things that needed to happen in his life that he didn't even know about. And Jesus' point was, was to get him out of his environment, get him out of his past, Get him out of all of his past religious understanding, teaching, and all of that. Get him out of all of that. To move him completely away to something else. Get him in a whole nother environment. There's people in Grace Church that, that God is doing this. He's doing this to you. He's allowing it to happen. But I want you to notice that when Jesus spit on his eyes, the Bible said Jesus, after touching him the second time, said, what do you see? Now, granted, the man was physically blind and he couldn't see anything. But he was also mentally blind. There was things he couldn't understand in his head. There was things that Jesus wanted to show him that he had never seen before. 
And so when Jesus touched him the second time, he didn't touch, ask him when he first led him out of town, what did you see? He didn't ask him. He knew he couldn't see. But the man was trusting Jesus. He was trusting the path. He was trusting the process. So he touched him the second time and said, what do you see? And the man said, I see men as trees walking. Well, that's good. As far as that blind man was concerned, this is amazing. This is wonderful. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Let me take a Holy Ghost lap around the church. I can see. I can see. I can see. No, you can't. I give the man credit that he could see better in that condition than he had ever seen in his life. And he could have stopped right there said, I'll figure it out. After a while, I'll learn to tell the difference between a tree and a man and what can walk and what can't walk. Just leave me be. Let me go on back into town. And that's some people do that. I've seen it all of my life. People in their relationship with God, they'll stop at some point of revelation. They'll stop at some point of understanding and say, I'm good. When Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I have so much more. I have so much more. Helen Keller said, it's a terrible thing not to be able to see. But it's even more terrible to be able to see and not have vision. And that's where this man was at. He didn't understand perspective. He didn't understand depth. He couldn't see clearly. He could see, but not clearly. This isn't splitting hairs. This is blatant obvious that, yes, you can see. But if you'll stay with me, sir, I'll help you see a whole lot better in just a moment. So here comes the third touch. Not only will his touch encourage and enlighten us, but his third touch will enable us. Seeing men as trees is never good enough. I would never want to be happy with that. The third touch was to bring enablement. The third touch enabled him to clearly see the world he lived in, to see his friends and his family for the first time. Not only was the man enabled to see, but also he was enabled to walk around. He was able to live life without the constant need of help from others. Jesus' touch will help free us from the constant dependence on people and things and sin and worldliness and carnality more than ever before. We need the touch of enlightenment that if you can understand this, if you can let Jesus touch you one more time. I heard somebody say recently they were challenged to repentance and so on. And the person said, no, I'm good right now. And I thought, how tragic. I, I heard this conversation. I thought, how tragic. It's kind of like the prophet Elisha's, Elisha's servant when they were surrounded by an enemy. And Elisha prayed God open his eyes and let him see. And he walked outside, the servant did, and saw that they were surrounded also by angels and chariots of fire and so on. We are enabled when we are touched by Jesus to clear to see clearly. But we are majorly disabled in ministry when we do not accept the third touch of God enabling us to become what as a church he wants us to be. So I want to challenge everybody here today as you stand with me.
We must. Everybody say, we must. Change. Everybody say, we must. Change. We must change. We must change. It is a risk to seek the touch from Jesus that will encourage and enlighten and enable us. Why? Because we're exposed to a whole other world of godly power, of godly might, of godly ability. I can't imagine how Elisha's servant felt when he walked out of that tent and thought, dear God, I've walked around this for a long time. I've never seen any of that. This was a, an arena where Elisha lived. Elisha was accustomed to this. Excuse me, I don't mean to degrade what Elisha saw, but it wasn't that big of a deal to him. He didn't do a Holy Ghost laugh when he saw all those angels and chariots of fire. He was accustomed to that. The little servant dude, his mind was blown by what he had seen. I've never seen that before. What is there out there in Jesus that we could see if we were only willing to change? So I want to appeal to everybody here today. Don't think you've, you've peaked out. Don't, don't. You may read a verse this coming week that just hits you in the head and says, my God, I've never read that like that before. That, that's, man, I've never seen it like that before. I, this is unbelievable. That could happen. If it does, that's God's way of leading you out of where you are to a place where he wants you to be. You may be praying this coming week and God shows you something in your mind that's in the realm of possibility. It just requires getting a little closer to Him. Don't be surprised by that, but accept the willingness to change. There's men and women here today, there's young people here today that are standing in the need of prayer and I feel like the stretcher bearer today. I've done my best to bring you into the presence of God. And a lot of you say, well, we've been there before, and I realize that. But God has this church by the hand that wants to lead us a little bit further. Don't look across the aisle at somebody and say, man, that is perfect for that guy over there. That is perfect for that lady over there. No, no, no. We're not doing that today. Everybody just hold the mirror up in front of your face and say the preacher's preaching to me. Don't, don't think I've come to the pulpit today. Not, not being prepared for this moment, for this time. God has grabbed me in every kind of direction I can be pulled over the past several months. But I'm doing my best to follow Him wherever He leads me. We're coming. We're coming. We're coming. I was, I was in my office today while they're preparing to sing. I was in my office at home this week. And I just kind of bowed my head, my head sitting in my chair, just gritted my teeth. I've been Pentecostal all of my life. I cut my teeth on the back of a church pew. A lot of you did as well. I just want more. I don't want to get hard-headed and say, I like all the stuff I've got. I like where we're at right now. 
I, I still have building program in the back of my mind. I, I'm still looking at that acre over there for a new sanctuary. And I'm still looking at how we can do parking and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still in my mind. And it, it may have seemed like a long shot a couple of years ago, but, but not right now. I believe something could happen in the next six, eight, nine months or even sooner than that that will change all of our thinking and say, hey, we've got to do something. We've got this is where God is leading us today. Does anybody want to go? He's extended a hand today. Will anybody take it? If you're willing to take it, would you manifest that by walking down here and say, God, I'll, I'll take your hand. And God, wherever you lead me, wherever you want to lead me. Anybody willing to do that? I'm not crazy here today. I'm still in the book. I'm still in the Bible. Don't be afraid of it. God's not going to embarrass you. God's, God's not going to do something so strange. He just makes your life better. He makes your life more fulfilled. He, he gives you more happiness and contentment. The more you follow Him, the better life gets. God, I'll take your hand. God, I'll take your hand. Y'all begin to sing right now. Y'all sing right now. Everybody lift your hands heavenward and say, God, I mean I mean it. I'll pray like I've never prayed. I'll give like I've never given. God, I'll do what I've never done. God, I'll obey whatever it is you want me to do. Just take me to where you want me.
the sweetest of